0: Hello and welcome to the Fundamental Value Podcast, hosted by Joshua Frank, Co-Founder and CEO of The Tie. On Fundamental Value, we speak with leading analysts, traditional finance and digital asset firms, and investigate how leading minds in the cryptocurrency space, research, analyze, and quantify the value of digital assets. Quick disclaimer, this podcast was recorded and is being made available solely for informational purposes. Today, I'm excited to be joined by David Weinstein, Chief of Staff at Nier Foundation. David, it's great to have you on. Thanks so much, Josh. Thanks for having me. So we like to start every podcast the same way, which is, you know, can you give us a little bit of your background, you know, pre-crypto and how you got involved in the space and fell down the rabbit hole?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, So I I studied finance and economics uh, back in school. Uh, Afterwards, had a pretty traditional finance job. Um, I was at Capital One doing uh, working credit card analytics, Um, but soon after that, moved to San Francisco to work in tech uh, and ended up at a social payments company uh, called Tilt. And that's where I actually first learned about Bitcoin. This is back in like 2014, 2015 uh, timeframe. I was immediately hooked. I, I loved it intellectually, philosophically. Um, it just, it was really, really, uh, I thought it was just a fascinating, a fascinating thing. Um, and so soon after I, I joined Circle, um, which at the time was building a few consumer products such as Circle Pay and Circle Invest. This um, is 2015 or? No, this is 2017. 20, oh, 2017. Okay, got it. Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and this is also when Circle uh, acquired uh, the crypto exchange Polonia. Polonia, right at the end of 17, yeah.
0: Right at the end of 17. No one, no one will forget. No one no, ever forgets. No. The it's worst acquisition in
1: crypto history. I wouldn't was, was say it's a fantastic acquisition, <laughs> yeah. uh, but completely, I uh, sarcastically. <laughs> um, and so, I I was there for that, um, and I got deep into understanding exchange analytics, trying to measure and assess the health of Poloniex and and what to do with it. Um, and also, this is when Circle was first beginning to think about uh, USDC. Um, around this time, so this is now 2019. <laughs> I mean, probably in large part due to the Poloniex acquisition and just like thinking about that. I had a bit of a, I would say, like an existential crisis, didn't really know what I was doing. um, And I wanted to just like focus more on more like intellectual interests, uh, like philosophy. Um, I was really thinking about like complex systems and game theory and all of that. Um, And so I ended up leaving Circle uh, in 2019. And I was working closely with a good friend, uh, Eric Tornberg, who was exploring some of the same ideas. Uh, and he was building a company called On Deck at the time. Um, and so I, I got involved with that. And what On Deck was, uh, and still is, it's a community of founders and investors um, with the belief that uh, that's how we can best uh, scale innovation. We can found more companies and help them get funding, help them succeed, help them grow, all of that. Um, it was a really cool experience. I, I, I loved it. Um, but back in and now, in a couple of years ago, 2021, um, personally, I, I think I realized that um, the way to truly, I think, solve some of the more like societal wide problems is not just through venture capital, um, but actually through crypto, which is actually playing at a bit of a deeper, um, more foundational level around economics and governance, um, in addition to just the tech. And so, yeah, 2021, I wanted to get back full time, actually back into crypto all in. Um, And so uh, an opportunity presented itself at the Nier Foundation. Uh, And so I immediately decided to to jump into that. And I've been I've been here at NIR now for the past year and a half. So you are chief of
0: staff at NIR. Um, at, you know, uh, at the Nier Foundation. So what does that role actually entail? What does, that, what does that mean? I know obviously it's different for every company, but curious as to
1: kind of the hats that, that, you, that you wear within the NIR Foundation. Totally, yeah. So I think, honestly, it's a, it's a fascinating role. Um, and I think each chief of staff uh, is tailored to the individual and to the team that they're working with. Um, so for me, uh, I have an analytics background. Um, and so I take a more, I would say, data-driven approach to chief of staff um, and the questions I'm trying to really answer and think about are like, what is actually going on and why and what might be happening next and how should we act today to prepare um, for that eventuality? Uh, I mentioned earlier, I, I love complex systems. Um, and so I think about like the entire near ecosystem as one massive complex system as an ecosystem. And so I try really, really hard to, to understand what's going on, what's good, what's bad, and what should we do? Um I mean, so you asked about a typical day. Uh, I'd say like zooming out a little bit to like a typical week, the way our leadership team operates um, on Mondays, uh, we come together as a leadership team. Uh, We go over metrics and KPIs, what's going on, what are the trends, et cetera. Um, We talk about the week ahead. So what's upcoming? what, What meetings do we have? What events are coming up, et cetera. Um, and then we often have like deep dives where we really go into some meatier some meteor, meteor things. Um, and so as chief of staff, I, I basically prepare that. So I prepare the agendas, prepare the material, um, and help lead the conversation around, around all of that. Um, and then outside of that, uh, I mean, we do things like all hands internally, we do town halls more publicly with the entire ecosystem, um, a bunch of conversations with key stakeholders in the ecosystem. Uh, some of the big nodes, et cetera. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, given my background, uh, I also lead the analytics team. So um, all things data, all things dashboards, doing deep dives, helping map the ecosystem, uh, et cetera.
0: And so there are a lot of L1s out there, right? It's, it, it, it seems like every day people are excited or talking about a new L1 or, or L2. Does crypto need to have as many L1s as we currently have and what is NEAR and, and why is it different?
1: Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, I would say the quick answer is no, we don't. <laughs> there are a lot of L1s. There are even more L2s popping up. Um, I don't think that's the right direction for the ecosystem as a whole. I think instead what we need to do is is more around like unifying as an industry. Um, and so, I mean, to, to get to NEAR as an L1, I mean, I think one of the bigger differentiators for what we're doing uh, as as an ecosystem and as a protocol uh, I mean I think our tech speaks for itself for the, for those that know near well uh, pretty unanimously think of near as extremely high quality tech um, near is, is is it's built to be as usable as possible for developers and for users uh, it's meant to scale with demand without the need for l2s transactions on near are super cheap finality is almost instant um, and we have a pretty unique approach to account models which allow for things like human-readable names, progressive security, and account abstraction. So that's NIR as an L1. Um, All that said, uh, NIR is way more than just an L1. Um, And what's most exciting for us, and I think for the entire industry, is what we have recently uh, announced and what we're really um, focusing on almost exclusively right now, which is what we're calling the, the blockchain operating system. yeah so why don't you I mean would, would love to kind of learn a little
0: bit more? I know you and I have spoken about that obviously mm-hmm. offline. would love to learn a little bit more about what is the boss I think is short for blockchain operating system presumably boss, the boss. you know what what so what is the boss? Why is near building it you know and, and why is it taking all of your focus at this at this time?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I'd say I'd say um, the boss, uh, as as we say, the the BOS. Um, I think honestly, it is what Web three always claimed to be. Uh, it's Just that we're now making it, making it a reality. I mean, so I think the simplest way to think about about it is is something analogous to like iOS or Android, um, except that it's completely open and and owned collectively by those participating in the network. Um, so what is an operating system? Uh, to me, it's a suite of protocols uh, that people collectively utilize to interact with one another, to build on, to work with, to play with, et cetera. Um, yeah, so it's a set of protocols that people can, can use to, to build. Um, in our current paradigm today, uh, I mean, things like companies like Apple and Google um, have definitely built two of the most powerful operating systems within, within mobile. Uh, I mean, Microsoft before that. Um, and this is what we all use all day, every day. I mean, with our phones, with our, with our computers, etc. cetera. Um, they work great. Uh, it led to a ton of innovation. Um, but all of these operating systems are essentially closed. Uh, they're gatekept by the companies involved. I mean, Apple and Google control their app stores for distribution, things like that. Um, and we all pay fees to them, whether that's businesses that are literally paying uh, a percentage of revenue to those companies pretty pretty high uh, fees like Apple's 30 percent of all revenue goes to goes to them um, and users need to also like purchase certain software like an iPhone um, or things like that and essentially are locked in once you use Apple products you're kind of stuck within the iOS um, uh, ecosystem essentially forever uh, these companies yeah, I mean, so they're essentially monopolies and are, are extremely valuable as a result. Um, the blockchain operating system is, is all of that, but it's completely open. Uh, so anyone can build on it. Anyone can use it. All the transactions, uh, the transaction fees go directly to the developers and to the protocol itself to be reinvested into itself. That might seem simple, but it's, a, it's an entirely inverted model from what we think of today with Apple and Google uh, as, as two examples. Um, I'd say, and how this, how this compare or what this means for like crypto broadly, um, most protocols today have been focused primarily on like the data and compute layers of, of a tech stack. And that's what Near as an L1 also was. Um, but what we're doing now is really building out like the middle layer and like the front ends of, of the stack. And it's all on chain. It's all on Near. As an example, uh, if you go to near.org right now, that entire site, and all of its data lives 100% completely on chain. Um, both the the data the, and, and the compute layer, but also the entire front end is rendered uh, from the chain itself. Um, and what we're doing with the blockchain operating system is also making it essentially chain agnostic. Um, so the front ends will 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 live on near and be rendered from the chain, but the back end can be right now any EVM chain um, is is compatible with with the boss, and soon uh, many more chains as well. Um, So, for example, does that
0: mean, yeah, I mean, my my question is, does that mean you could have like an instance of a Uniswap front end using, you know, the Ethereum back end for Uniswap itself? Exactly. Like the the protocol itself.
1: Yeah. So you can build a fully, a full fledged, um, like decentralized front end that interacts with Uniswap contracts. Um, And the way these front ends also work is that everything within the front end is, is composable. It's a component. So you could have a Uniswap component from the Ethereum chain, living on one front, uh, like front end experience, but also anything with Near as well, or any other app can all exist. So on what
0: the do you market. mean by front end experience? Is this a browser window? Like, what does that actually mean? How does that how does that manifest itself?
1: A browser window would be exactly yeah a, a way to think about that. Um, so, like like I said, like near.org right now looks like a normal website. That that whole experience is is is, is built is, is stored on the Near blockchain but it looks like you're going to a normal website.
0: So when so when I think about an operating system like the iPhone, right? It's kind of like I go on my phone and there's all of these apps kind of staring at me. When I think about, you know, when I think about like my, my Apple computer, I log on, I have all these different apps staring at me or when I used to use Windows or anything else. So how do people interact with all of the all of these things? How do they know that they're built on the blockchain operating system? They need to know that they're built on a blockchain operating system. Like how do you access these applications?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I think it's a good question. Um, so using near.org, again, as just an example, um, if you go there now, you can see hundreds or even thousands of different components and apps that have already been built by different by various developers uh, already. All of those apps exist on either an EVM chain or on, um, on the Near protocol. And so you can open up any of those apps. You can see the code behind those apps. You can fork the code for those apps and build on top of it you can do any of that. Um, but to your specific question around like the iOS app store versus like the near um, the boss app store. Uh, yeah, that is sort of what the right now Neo.org is a version of that super early MVP. But yeah, but you can you can find apps directly on that site, open them up, interact with them as you would on your phone. So how
0: should individuals think about the blockchain operating system and institutions and why should they care and why should they want to use it versus just going to like a Uniswap directly as an example?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I think there's there's a few different levels of like abstraction here to think about. Um, on the individual level, like the typical, the typical user, um, honestly, probably shouldn't really think about the boss at all. Like if you're using an app on your phone, like to connect to family or friends, like you're not really thinking about iOS or Android. Like all you really want is to have the experience work and to be able to talk to your friends. Um, so I think the individual user shouldn't really care about the boss or EVM or Ethereum or Near. Like that's all I think at levels too technical for what they care about. Um, I
0: think the Will the individual point- need tokens to interact with applications on the boss though?
1: So that's actually something that we're I mean rolling out with like account abstraction uh, that, that works already on Near. where right now again, NIR.org uh, you can go and sign up within like five seconds without a seed phrase, without any any money, without any tokens, and nothing at all. Just your email address, and you can, you can we'll create an account for you on behalf of you. Um, as you use uh, the boss more, as you use Neo more, uh, you might want to lock up your account with more progressive security. Um, if you have more and more assets there, but for the most part, most people don't really need to think about tokens they can just use whatever they want to use uh, and pay for things as they normally would, like a subscription uh, service or, or whatever it may be. And a lot of the complexity is kind of um, abstracted away.
0: And and does that mean in some cases the developers are paying tokens for gas fees on behalf of the user? Is Near Foundation helping to subsidize that? How does that actually work? Or do you just not need tokens to, no, no, it's, to it's, make yeah, some of no, these interactions?
1: So the whole thing runs like any other ecosystem would, um, so either developers are the foundation, we, we do work with, with different projects at various times. Um, but I think what's actually fascinating, it's, I mean, we're rethinking sort of like business models and, and what actually, where value accrues. Um, and so a developer paying a little bit of gas on behalf of a user could make a ton of sense if the, their business model is, is something else. Um, And we're providing value to users that users are happy to pay for because they're getting experiences that they care about. Uh, And so what I think is being sparked right now in crypto broadly is just this like, just a massive wave of innovation and creativity. And like, how can we rethink business models? How can we rethink user experience? How can we we rethink where value is in in someone's day? Uh, And yeah, and so... The point of the account abstraction is just to make it easier for, for users and give more power back to the developer to innovate um, on what they're, what they're offering.
0: So presumably, I think that makes a lot of sense for everything outside of DeFi, which is a lot, right? There's a lot of things that exist outside of DeFi, but with DeFi, people are trading tokens, right? So they, they kind of need tokens. So how would it actually work? Like if I wanted to trade on Uniswap, on Ethereum, through the boss, how do I how is my Ethereum wallet connected? Like how does that experience actually work for the end user?
1: Yeah, I mean so you, you can actually go to uh, boss.gg right now. It's it's a gateway that's stored on the NEAR protocol. It's BOS, right so everyone knows, right? yep. um, yeah, so that ex- that front end, that website is stored on NEAR, but all of the components powering it is 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 on Ethereum. Um, and so you log in with MetaMask. You log in with your your typical Ethereum wallet. Okay, got it. So just like you'd be logging into any any other website, it's just that the the
0: the front end is actually hosted and stored by Near. And is there a replica of that transaction that occurs on the Near blockchain as well? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, got it. But for the typical and user, so, and,
1: you wouldn't have to yeah, think about that.
0: Yeah. And i I know I'm 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 going totally sidetracked. So we got that as an individual. You don't need to really think about it that much but what about as an institution how, how, how do you think about the boss for institutions
1: yeah i mean from the institutional level i mean today like today to to get a part of ios or android to go back to just like the operating system analogy here like you would basically need to buy equity in apple or google you're buying equity in those companies uh and you're reliant on those companies and their management teams to make the right decisions and and have the right business structure to, to, to basically add value or, or, or to create value for your, for, for you in this new paradigm, instead of having to go through an intermediary like Apple or Google, you get to own a piece of the operating system directly. Um, you can participate in governance. You, you get to play a part in this, in this, in this ever growing ecosystem, as opposed to just being an investor in a company. Um, and I think it's as simple as that. And I think that is empowering that, that just, I think it's so much bigger than just having equity in a company. You're you're part of a something bigger than that.
0: So I think Solana has kind of tried to solve this with the Solana phone. I'm sure that's an example that's come up from a few other people. But, but but it's theoretically very different, right? They're making you actually purchase a piece of hardware. And I think that's only Solana-based applications, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. So is that kind of the, the difference? And is hardware something you guys have even even started on your radar? I mean, I, I know when we spoke, you mentioned building a really good mobile first website where it can be accessed on your phone, right? And it's just as good as now. Is that kind of how you guys were thinking about it? Yeah, I was just, I was just, just,
1: just gonna say, that's actually exactly the answer. Um, our thesis or our thinking is that mobile web is actually going to be the more dominant platform moving forward. Mobile web is getting increasingly powerful where you can have super high-quality apps and experiences via mobile web without having to even download an app or have specific hardware. Um, the power of this is, I don't know, maybe less obvious in the U.S. or in the West, but like just around the world more broadly, where not everyone has a smartphone, but more and more people have access to the internet, um, have, has, has access to mobile web. Um, and if we can provide experiences, applications, et cetera, on mobile web, that anyone can access anywhere, like that's game changing um, for for way more people, for billions of people. Um, and mobile web is increasingly, yeah, getting powerful enough where you can actually do this. And so, you
0: know, we talked about, I guess a little bit more high level what the boss is, but what are some applications, you mentioned there, there are hundreds or thousands. What, what are some of the applications that are currently being built on the blockchain operating system? And what kind of, you know, as you think into the future, three years, five years from now, where do you kind of see the, the, the blockchain operating system going in terms of what's actually going to be built on it, what's going to exist on it?
1: Yeah, I mean, so what's, so what's being built today? Um, I mean, I mentioned Neo.org a bunch of times. And so that whole thing now lives, I said, like, like I said, on-chain. Um, but what that actually is, in addition to just having our like main website, um, it's currently a MVP of like a social network, um, mostly around developers, but essentially it's a social network. So there's a news feed. You can post status updates. You can share pictures. You can share anything. There's user profiles. Um, you can have all of your like past work uh, uh, added to, to to your profile. Um, you can you can talk to each other, etc. So it's kind of like a version ish of Twitter and GitHub, um, decentralized on chain. Uh, so what that what that means is anyone can fork it anyone can use components of, of that experience on their own their own websites etc um, so that's still an nFVP but it's 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 a product I mean it's like a Twitter github hybrid um, and then a couple other other apps already built on top of the boss to date um, there's something called horizon uh, near horizon uh, which is a platform uh, for projects to showcase what they're building and um, their key metrics, who they are, their reputation, um, and to connect with with contributors. if there's like open open jobs um, or investors that might want to back those projects or invest in them. So it's sort of like a a, a, um, yeah, a platform around projects and investors and contributors. Um, and another example uh, it's called DevHub, um, which is a community specifically built around development, um, but so it's like a part of neo.org dedicated to developers. Where devs can share ideas, contribute, um, connect with one another, uh, open up bounties, uh, fulfill bounties, et cetera, all around building open source technology together. Um, there's a bunch more as well. Uh, but I think what's really exciting like, for the next few years is the things that we can't even think about today, just you and me right now, but the power of, of like, the collective can think of new ideas. And what we're doing is just empowering collective creation. Um, and every component every piece of code is there open source composable forkable etc um and so the power of just human creativity i think you really allow this thing to flourish and and we'll see what what comes out of it but i, I know it's going to be extremely exciting and so d-
0: does how does it actually work in terms of let's say somebody wanted to bring ave to the boss does Ave itself need to buy into that or can they actually deploy Like, how does it actually work in terms of bringing a new platform onto the blockchain operating system? Can, because, because, could somebody theoretically just bring it over by moving over there? Or, or does, does, do you actually need participation from the underlying protocol?
1: No, yeah. I mean, the contracts exists. It's open. Um, right. And anyone, anyone can build a front end that, that taps into that for sure. Right. So it would use the same liquidity as Ave had access yeah, yeah, to it, or, it or it. and it would benefit Aave and it would, it'd be yep. all about, I mean, Aave would benefit from that. Um, yep. yeah, it could just exist. And someone could create a, a, a unique, um, yeah, like front end, uh, gateway to it.
0: Got it. Oh yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. And, and so, you know, I, I guess, I guess I kind of hit on this, but you know, kind of my last question on the boss and then, you know, we can, we could skip to, you know, su- some other fun tub, you know, subjects that, that, that I want to hit on, but, you know, when when you think about the boss in a few years, right? Where do you think it is, and what do you what role, if any, or or I think I think I know your answer to this, but do you think this helps facilitate mainstream adoption of digital assets? Like, is this do you think of this as like a missing piece for actually going from you know there are a couple hundred thousand users maybe less that actually interact on on chain today on applications knowingly to all of a sudden there's millions or tens of, or hundreds of millions of users that are interacting with applications through an experience like this. Like, how do you, how do you think about that?
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, and I'm not sure if this even makes sense, but I I think of the boss right now and what we're doing as sort of like, like the Netscape moment for web three. Like, and what I mean by that is when Netscape came out, it was built on top of a bunch of protocols, uh, that were the foundation of in many ways, web one. Um, that all worked and people could build unique experiences in a disparate way on top of those protocols. But there was like no place to really discover those experiences, no place to really um, connect with one another on top of them. Netscape came as an amazingly simple to use browser, essentially, that allowed anyone to, for the first time, really see what was possible with these protocols. And it it actualized uh, Web1 in many ways. And that led to just a massive surge of innovation. Um, and it led to user adoption. It led to mainstream adoption. I think what the boss is, is, is that for web three, um, for the first time, uh, you don't need to have all these disparate accounts, disparate apps, disparate experiences that don't really connect with one another. It's all fragmented. Uh, the user experience is shit today. What the boss is doing is putting all that into one easy to use, easy to discover place where now we're building together, um, no matter what chain you're on, no matter what apps you're using, no matter what accounts you have, it's putting it all into one place for the first time. And my belief and our belief is that this is just going to, again, kind of like what Netscape did with the internet, it's going to be, it's gonna lead to a massive surge of just innovation, but also user uh, adoption and mainstream adoption, where now it's possible for the first time for someone to just come and access all of these apps that they never knew how to find before.
0: And so one of the things that, I think NIR's been speaking about for a long time, actually, is, is AI, right? And obviously that is the hottest topic these days. Everyone's an expert in AI. I'm definitely not an expert in AI, but 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 I think NIR has some expertise in the field, right? And and, and so can you kind of speak about how NIR views the intersection of crypto and AI and, and what role that plays plays in NIR?
1: Totally. Yeah. And so I also am not an expert in, in AI. Uh, but I'm fascinated by it, and I think it's—it's. It's, I mean, it's obviously insanely interesting technology that that is surging uh, right now. Um, so yeah. So you mentioned near and AI. So what probably not everyone knows, uh, but one of the founders of of the near protocol, Ilya, um, was also one of the authors of this particular paper called "Attention Is All You Need" um, back in 2017, uh, which is actually one of the seminal papers in in uh, transformer models which is at the heart of, of all of, all of the the latest um, GPT models that that you see today so that paper which is now becoming a pretty famous paper uh, yeah it's at the heart of, of the innovation today and 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 Ilya one of the near founders was one of the authors on that paper so needless to say <laughs> Ilya knows quite a bit about AI and and crypto and so he probably is one of the only people that are, Experts in both of those fields and the intersection of them, um, and so I don't want to speak <laughs> for him, but I would say there are two two big things here um, at the at the intersection of, of AI and crypto. One is what many are talking about today with with GPT models and these language models. Um, it can allow anyone to essentially code and build and develop more efficiently, more quickly. Um, and and more more successfully. Uh, So you don't really need to necessarily know how to develop and know all the different syntax to be able to actually build applications and build build components. Uh, But with language models, uh, you potentially can. And so we're definitely thinking about that a lot within the boss and how to incorporate these large language models as a way for anyone to be able to build components, use components to build their own apps, gateways, experiences, et cetera. So that's super cool. Um, another part of this whole thing with AI, uh, and I think a lot of people sense this is happening, but like what AI is also going to do is just create an insane amount of content uh, a lot of it could be fake, a lot of it could be doctored, it could be images, it could be videos, it could be podcasts, it could be just text. There's just going to be a shitload of, of content out there, many of which is going to be quite misleading. Um, and so what that could do is essentially like DDoS the entire world, where there's just means too much content, none of it makes any sense, and it's impossible to understand what's, what's true and what's not true. So in that potential future, I think what we all need is going to be something that can be used to like authenticate information and authenticate individuals so you can know what's what's real and not real or who's human and who's a bot, et cetera. And so I think crypto is probably the only technology that can really be used to actually authenticate um, that and be like the authentication layer for the new internet um, to help us make sure we know what's actually true, what's not true. Um, and so I think those are two just broad areas. But I think AI and crypto is going to play a part uh, in, in those in those things.
0: So crypto hasn't gone mainstream yet, right? There aren't, you know, hundreds of millions or even really millions of people, for the most part, interacting with uh, applications on chain. Why and how do we get there? Yeah, I mean, I think. And do we
1: ever get there? I think yeah, is yeah. an important part to add. For sure. I think we do get there. Mm-hmm. Um, why it hasn't happened yet, that doesn't concern me at all. I mean, it, it, it takes time. Crypto is, is, is still so young. Um, I mean, Bitcoin itself is what, not 13, 14 years old. I mean, Ethereum is like seven years old. Like, it's, it's, it's still very new technology. Um, and so, why are there not any mainstream applications yet? I mean, they're just nothing yet ha- has been 10x better than anything in Web 2. And that's okay. We're, we're still growing, we're still building, we're still trying. Um, and we're getting closer, I think, all the time.
0: So, um, so, what do you think is what in crypto is even one point five or two times better than web two? I mean what 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 like can you point to things that have been built so far that you think are starting to push the needle, right? Maybe we're not there yet where it it begets mass mainstream adoption. But what are the specific things that we've seen in this space that are improvements over experiences that that couldn't exist without a blockchain?
1: yeah i mean i think some of the obvious just examples and this isn't really again relevant as much in the west but in like emerging markets like you think about economies in south america that have a hundred percent inflation like stable coins stable coins are a massive improvement for yeah, them yeah. in their lives moving money around from person to person without it, it it being without middlemen is super helpful like sending money back from the u.s to south america crypto works way better than anything else does um, without crypto. Uh, So that's just kind of like the money, the money angles. I think something else that is a little harder to even quantify, but also what crypto is doing is it's creating like a movement of, of some of the smartest people in the world that are working together, collaborating, and they have an energy to them, like a, a sense of, we can try something new. Like we can build something better than we have today. I think a lot of people are just disillusioned with how things are in media, with politics, etc. Um, and there's no solution to any of that within, from within the system. And I think at the edges in these like ecosystems and these crypto communities, people are just exploring new ideas. And so it's not the tech per se, but it's more about like the meta layer on top that I think is is because of crypto that people are just exploring new ideas. And so that's harder to say it's like is it an app what what is it but it, it's more of just like a just ideas are circulating around people trying something new which I think is just a spark of of optimism within like a pretty like negative cynical landscape.
0: And so you're on the Fundamental Value podcast so naturally I have to ask you about fundamentals. So how do you define or think about fundamentals for digital assets?
1: Yeah, I mean so I think um this might be a different answer than you might normally hear, uh, but I don't. I don't really think that fundamental quality can be quantified uh, using metrics alone. Um, I think instead we need to think about all these things as like ecosystems as a whole and the various relationships within the ecosystem, as opposed to any one part uh, by itself in isolation. So I think metrics are important but they're more like tools as opposed to the answer in themselves. Um, Said another another way, these ecosystems aren't like mechanical machines. They're way more like complex living systems. Um, It's more analogous to how you think about your own health as an individual or like the health of a country. Um, You can use metrics, but metrics can be misleading uh, unless they're in service to something else bigger and more holistic. Um, and like I said, I think what's more important is the relationship between metrics and how they flow together and how they're evolving. Um, and I guess to answer your question more directly, for digital assets, again, I, I would focus on the ecosystem as a whole as opposed to any, any one part of it. So some examples, um, how much development is happening in the ecosystem and who are the developers? Not every developer is created the same. I mean, there's a massive difference between someone like Ilya or Vitalik versus the average developer. Um, so quality of developer matters more than just the quantity of developers. Um, also some things like how how strong, are, how strong are the links between the key nodes? How is communication flowing between the key nodes in an ecosystem? How decentralized is the entire thing? Um, the velocity of money and transactions flowing through the ecosystem, the conversations happening within and about the ecosystem on like Twitter and social media, Uh, the sentiment of all of that uh, conversation. Um, And not just any of those metrics or data points at any one point in time, but like the rate of change and even like the second derivative of that rate of change. And so I think you can't just have a dashboard of metrics and think you understand an ecosystem. You need to sort of like be within it, live it, see the flow of it, and get a sense of how things are evolving and adapting over time. And that's the mark of a healthy ecosystem. It's, it's adaptability more than any like stock metric. Um,
0: so that, that that's an interesting answer. It sounds like that's more related to like a layer one or layer two though. Does it, does it differ for an application? Like if I asked you the same question, I used a specific example of, let's use Uniswap again, would, you, would your answer be the same
1: or would it be different? I'd say it, it. actually probably should be the same. Um, I think even a company, even an, even an application is is more complex than people try to uh, assume. So I mean, even thinking of like a traditional Web two company or or, or a company that might be more um, uh, simple in, in in some ways, it, it it's still complex. It's not just about revenue. Um, it's about like employee satisfaction, the flow of information. Uh, Where's revenue coming from? How centralized is that revenue? How distributed is it? Um, And and, and so many more metrics like that that I think actually are more indicative of long-term health than any point in time. Uh, I mean, thinking about countries again, and I guess maybe that's not really answering your question, but typically countries are thought of as like, or a metric of health is like GDP of a country. And I think that can be an extremely misleading metric for a country's health. Um, I mean, one way to increase GDP is to never solve problems, just manage problems forever. That increases GDP. Um, And I think that's similar to like a company. Like you can grow revenue by making sure all of your users are addicted to your products and constantly paying you fees. That might be good in terms of making money, but is it actually really solving anything? Um, And so I think we need to kind of get out of this obsession with metrics as the end all be all of things. Um, And way more about like quality of what you're offering, quality for the user, quality of the value that you're actually providing. And are you actually solving problems as opposed to just moving metrics up and down?
0: And how do you think we get to a point or do you think we get to a point where there's consensus on how people think about fundamentals, right? Because I think at at this point in the crypto market, it's, it's very subjective. I ask this question on every podcast and every podcast to get a different answer right? And so I think the answer is subjective. Do you think we ever get to a point where people converge on a unified view as to how you view these ecosystems, right? Obviously people want to speak about things like protocol revenue. They want to speak about things like the number of users, social media activity, developers, things like that. Um, but, it, but it seems like, and I think the point that you're making is you can't quantify it, right? And so maybe there is no there is no way to quantify it, but how do you then compare. So, so I guess there's two questions. One, do we ever converge upon a mutually agreed upon definition of fundamentals? And the second question is, how do you compare ecosystems if that's how you think about it? Right? Like if I said, compare the Polkadot ecosystem to the Solana ecosystem, and I'm not asking for specific examples of, of those ecosystems, but how would you even begin to say, these are the things that I'm looking at to compare those two? Yeah. So I think,
1: And that was meant to be a super hard question. No, it's a fantastic, (laughs) great question. Um, I think first on the answer of, is it possible to converge to something? And I think there's no end goal that will ever be like the end all be all answer. I think the whole point is to be in the process of converging without really ever getting to a point, if that makes sense. So it's more about the process of understanding collectively as opposed to, finding an answer that we all agree is the the holy grail. There is no holy grail. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think what that means in practice is that what's more important is it's utilizing subjectivity. It's talking to each other and it's trying to find consensus that can always be adapted. Um, And then to compare ecosystems, like you said, uh, Polkadot and and Solana, uh, and not to give specifics, but what I would find more interesting is not how much how many fees they have or how many accounts they have or or things like that. It's more about how quickly are those ecosystems able to receive new information and adapt. So it's like a question of adaptability and, and are they able to evolve and grow? and stay healthy in that sense of adapt, uh, is, is, adapt-
0: that, is that is that is, is the reason you say that partially because to this point crypto has been extraordinarily narrative driven and fast moving and nothing is stuck and so being <laughs> being adaptable is is a good trait is that is that kind of what you're
1: hitting on behind the scenes probably i mean it probably is a, is a driver but i think that i think that's not unique to crypto i think everything throughout history is is narrative driven um, crypto maybe is faster. I mean, it lives online 24-7, so it, it the rate of change is, is, is faster. But I think narratives dictate more than we give it credit to or give it credit. Um, and so I think that matters more, like being able to adapt to changing landscapes. I think also like thinking about like society broadly and like the way like things are going like politically or economically or environmentally, like we're getting into faster and faster feedback loops and faster and faster change. And just being able to adapt to that is going to be what matters most. And I think one of the beauties of crypto to me is that we have these ecosystems that for the first time is aligning thousands and thousands of people to create new things in response to change. That's what crypto is to me. It's ecosystems that can adapt. Um, And using novel forms of incentive, novel forms of technology, etc. But it's really about aligning incentives across thousands or millions of people that can adapt to changing environments. Um, I think part of the reasons like, traditional companies and governments are going to suffer is because they are unable to adapt quickly to changing environments. Um, they're too centralized, too bureaucratic, and that just leads to decay. Whereas if you're able to adapt to like the edges of a network align incentives appropriately, and then build as a response, you can be able to survive way longer and way more effectively and evolve to what is, what is happening. And so it's hard to quantify any of that, but it's the I think the adaptability is key in being able to have good flow of communication, um, have it be decentralized enough without too much power being centralized. Uh, and yeah, having people just be excited and empowering humans to be what they do best, which is being creative the more empowered people we have in these e- ecosystems, that's what's going to win. It's it's the people and it's the flow of information and it's the adaptability.
0: And so my final question is, what is your most controversial
1: take right now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might be sort of what I maybe just said. <laughs> um, but I think what most people value and the way most people think about quality Is potentially completely wrong. (laughs) I think many people think that we can quantify everything and that's what matters. Uh, It's even in like the language we use, like even asking a question about that is sort of like wrong in itself. Like there is no way to quantify everything because what what actually matters is things that can't be defined. Um, And we know this intuitively, like what matters in our own lives is not how much money we have or any object we possess, but it's rather our relationships and it's our perception of, of them and, and other people and ourselves even. And we're not trained at all to think like this. Our schools are training us to be machines, essentially. Uh, we live in a mechanical society. Um, most companies are run uh, to get individuals to optimize metrics um, on behalf of others to just increase revenue, to make money, uh, but all of that, like none of that really means anything. It's just money for the sake of money, metrics for the sake of metrics. And we all, I think, intuitively feel that that's somewhat meaningless. Um, and I don't think that's the way that, I don't think that leads to a healthy society or a healthy company or a healthy individual. Um, and so I think, again, I think what I love about crypto is is we're kind of putting that on its head. Um, where, where crypto does broadly is, yeah, it unlocks human potential. Um, It empowers humans. It gives you more power as an individual human. Um, And I think as soon as we can really align incentives even more, we can start to outcompete traditional systems. Um, And I think it's putting the power back into, yeah, like community. And that is what ultimately is meaningful. And so I think I'll say that is my controversial take, is that the way that we're (laughs) taught in schools and in businesses is just wrong. And there's a better way to do all of it.
0: I, well, I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate having you on and, and, and you know, teaching us more about Nier and, and the boss. And, you know, would love to do this again at, at, at another point in the future. Uh, but David, you know, finally, you know, can you just share how everyone can find you and Nier online?
1: Yeah, thank you, Josh. Uh, awesome to be here. And we'd love to, to come back again. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, personally, you can find me on Twitter, uh, DW underscore Stein is my handle, but also definitely check out near.org and follow us along. Awesome. Thanks, David. Thanks, Josh.